doing, and this is the Perry Pays and Podcast. After a bit of a hiatus, I'm happy to be back on air to share inspiring stories, people, and places with you. Since I last spoke to you, I've been busy baby raising, writing, and adapting to life in the countryside. Today's guest, Ava Anastasiou, has been immensely helpful in my process of transitioning to life in rural France and the process of creating community here. Ava is an ex-Parisian as well. Her many experiences in the city include working in the film industry, becoming a certified chef, and interning at the restaurants Frenchie and No Glue. She now lives in the Loire-et-Cher region in France, where she gives cooking classes, caters for large groups, and engages in community building following the principles of permaculture and the transition movement, which she told me all about when I met with her recently at her home. Thank you, Ava, for taking the time to meet with me today. I wanted to have this conversation so that we can share with the listeners something that you told me about the first time we not met, but I guess sat down and had some coffee and we were talking about life in rural France. And I think um, I needed to be given some hope about the decision to move here. And you spoke to me about the transition movement. Um, and we spoke pretty briefly about that, but it was a really interesting concept that I think inspired you and continues to inspire you and your life in the countryside. You're also an ex-Parisian, having lived in the city for many years. I would be interested to hear you explain a little bit about the transition movement, how that sort of guided you or inspired you in your personal experience living in the countryside. So the transition movement uh, really is comes from permaculture. It's very hard to define permaculture in just one sentence, but I would say it's a set of principles and a way of life that help you create ecosystems inspired by nature. And so to come back to the transition movement, um, it was born from a permaculture teacher called Rob Hopkins, who asked his students to apply the principles of permaculture to the reality of peak oil. So the fact that we have crossed the peak oil and from now on we're going to have less and less fossil fuels at our disposal and how that ties also into the the problematic of climate change and so uh, what Rob Hopkins students uh, worked on is a way to uh, adapt the life of a village or a town to the reality that we're going to have less fossil fuel to work with and how that applies to every single area of our lives. So the first thing we can think of is transportation, but transportation affects all our basic needs, the first of which is food, because a lot of our food comes from very far away, how we heat our houses, um, health, education, And all that, in the end, affects community. And so when we personally moved out here, that's kind of what we were hoping to experience, to come to a smaller community where we could connect with people on a more intimate level, where we could kind of test out these principles in real life. Things didn't, as usual, don't don't go exactly as planned. But we started with an AMAP, Association pour le maintien de l'agriculture paysanne. So an AMAP is a group of citizens getting together 
to buy their food uh, directly from the producers and pay for the pay for the food ahead of time in a trimestrial or yearly scheme which allows the food producers to have cash flow and be able to invest in developing their their production so it's really beneficial for everyone i know some of the producers that are a part of this mmap and it seems like a lot of them are people who recently set up their shop here aren't from here originally and who are young so i think that's a nice um sign of people coming to the countryside and setting up sometimes you jokingly refer to the region that we're in which to be more precise is an area around a, a village called montrichard you call it the future berkeley sur cher is what are some kind of signs of youth or new life or resurgence that makes MAPS possible? I th- one of the things that drew us to Montrichard is we saw a lot of potential here. There's still a very nice village with a lot of shops, despite the fact that we're s- the, the, the small town of Montrichard, which is about 5,000 people, is surrounded by two big supermarkets, which in a lot of small towns in France means all the commerce in the town is dead. Here it's still quite alive. And the the older people in the village tell us, oh, it used to be even more alive. But uh, f- compared to other towns, it's still quite vibrant. And it's also a very fertile region. There are a lot of producers. If you compare it to with Brittany, where they mostly do dairy and pork, or uh, La Beauce, where they mostly do wheat. Here we have a, a region that produces a little bit of everything. And of course, you still have intensive agriculture and a lot of the food that surely goes to export or whatnot. But you still have a wide variety of producers who work on a small territory. And yes, I think the fact that it's not far from Paris, the fact that it's close to two medium-sized cities of Blois and Tours, I think it has a lot going for it. And I think also the wine culture here plays a big part in this. For a number of years now, the natural wine movement has been going strong, and we knew nothing about this when we moved here. Um, But I feel that's a big impulse for the coolification of the Loire Valley. It attracts people who are interested in ecological and innovative projects. And so, yeah, it's it's a mix of those things. And it's also just, a, I guess, a feeling, you know, that the, the feeling that there is potential. Uh, real estate is relatively cheap. You know, when you want to set up a, a, a community of innovators or artists, it's also always a, a factor. What do you think about the difference between people who are like transplants here trying to engage in this transition movement and the people who are from here? I feel like There's a big difference between rural France and non-rural France. And I wonder, maybe the transition movement talks about this, or maybe you have something to say about how to create community, but not have it just necessarily be a community of transplants, but also integrate into the community that you're also moving into or choosing to become a part of. I I kind of see this question in, in two parts. The first thing is urban France versus rural France. And obviously, I can only talk about my experience of this, which is that there is not one rural France. There are a lot of rural Frances. Like, every region 
is so specific in France. And when we were looking into moving to the countryside, we did a big tour of France and, you know, talked to people in a lot of different regions. And amongst the many elements that decided us to move here was the fact that this région centre um, is quite well known for not being too um, exclusive. People don't just stay amongst themselves. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, exclusion towards newcomers. Our experience so far has, has definitely been in that sense, that people are quite welcoming and not at all treating us like strangers. So th this is probably specific to this region, that it's probably a little, def definitely on the more open-minded side of rural France. The second thing is um, when you say this wave of urban people coming to the countryside, first of all, I think, unfortunately, we're not yet at a wave. The, I mean, it's a new, it's a trend, and But I hope we're at the very beginning of this trend of uh, younger people reintegrating uh, rural communities because cities are not very sustainable. I mean, there's a big debate around that there, but my point of view is that. And it's funny because I think the people who are coming to the country, this wave of people who are coming to the countryside, are actually more curious about um, finding the roots of uh, local traditions, uh, getting involved into communities, because there is a wave that came before us, which was industrial France, which basically killed uh, local tradition, installed big supermarkets everywhere, and brought convenience, but destroyed communities. I think compared to that, this, this new wave is actually quite beneficial. This being said, young people moving to the countryside should definitely not approach uh, this with a, the, the mentality of we're the saviors of rural France, for sure. Yeah, it shouldn't be like a <laughs> colonialistic <laughs> no, movement. No, 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 definitely. So I think how do you integrate into a community and how do you, I would say, start a transition movement in a place that you're not from? Um, I think the first, uh, the first step, which is the first principle of permaculture, actually, is observation and, is, and interaction. You move, you interact with the people, you ask questions, you listen. If you have kids, you put your kids in school. If you have an activity, you start your activity and, and see how you can be of service to others. And what is it that people are interested in or are lacking in this community? And that's how you start to, 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 to build this, this interaction. And sometimes I think it can be very beneficial for a fresh point of view, a new person from the outside to come, come in and bring, bring just a, 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 a fresh enthusiasm to a community. My personal experience as making like American style beers here when I was doing that was people were super receptive to it and the hunters or the people who lived in my village, people I wouldn't normally be in contact with, I got to meet them because of this new thing, making this mm -hmm. kind of beer and people were really into it and so I think just to speak to that point of like if you have something that you can do and share 
I think um, it's, it was, I was very happily surprised to see how receptive people are to it. And living in a small community, you can kind of see the results of what you do, the effects that that can have on the people around you and in a way that's pretty immediate and, and I think largely positive. So after that initial ob- observation period, which is kind of keeping in the, the principles of permaculture, uh, what would be the next steps to take when we're, I guess, passing to the, the phase of like creation or solidifying this community or uh, moving forward? So uh, the next step uh, is getting people aware of uh, the, the big uh, peak oil and climate change context. So we're surrounded by this these days. So a lot of people have some ideas about what what those principles are, but they, they don't maybe realize exactly how it's going to impact them, um, in which time frame, what are the most important things to act upon if we want to create a bit of autonomy and resilience in in communities so there's in in the transition town methodology the next step would be to create a meeting and get people informed as it happens here and now uh, it just so happens that the la communauté des communes so the the villages around here are right in the middle of defining their climate plan, which is something that's required by the government. So we're kind of using this thing that already exists to, uh, as a first introduction to meeting people and creating a core group of people who are then going to rally energies around them and communicate this information. So I don't know exactly how it's gonna, how this climate plan uh, and this climate club are going to evolve, if it's going to be something really efficient that we're going to be able to grab for ourselves and grab for, for our communities, or if it's going to stay a bit superficial at the, at the administrative level. So we're, we're, getting into it and seeing how far that can go. And then depending on how far we can go with that, we're probably going to do things more locally, as in just a little meeting at town hall. And then the the step after that is seeing how people want to get involved. Because once you know the global reality that we're going to be faced with, the, the idea is what are people interested in doing Um Is it creating more short-chain food food supplies with local producers? Is it going to be uh, getting together to create an an autonomous energy uh, source, like putting a windmill somewhere or putting solar panels and having more energy that way? Is it going to be um, creating more efficient transportation systems? Uh, more carpooling, getting the 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 town to to put in more buses, uh, basically ways for people to use their car less, and more trade and um, basically how to create more local trade and economy instead of going to the big supermarkets, instead of disposing of things. How can we repair them and reuse them? How can we share them? So there are many, many uh, aspects that can be worked upon, but that really depends on 
what the people who live in that place are interested in doing. Very often, food is going to be a big central part of that because it's so important, it's so immediate, and we we live in the countryside where people often have a farming heritage not very far behind them. And uh, and already a lot of people grow their own food in their gardens. So it's a matter of, of tapping into that and bringing it to the next level. Could you maybe go into more detail about how food is a really great agent for change and creating community? Yeah, I mean, food is, is my personal passion. So obviously I have lots of ideas about that. I think the food is, is just such a basic need that it's it's very easy to to communicate with people around that it's also especially in france but a little bit everywhere a a vector for pleasure for getting together well and i think also something and this is something i love about life in france and i think a lot of countries like italy you know you have this sort of um gastronomic heritage whereas for example some of the other things initiatives that people can take that you were describing earlier like how do we repair things i think a lot of people don't know how to repair things anymore whereas food i think with certain exceptions is something that people participate with either by eating but in a lot of ways by at least making just something simple and hopefully not an intimidating act it's something that's joyful and also very like you said associated with community and it's also one of the three Pillars. Food is also one of the three pillars uh, that are going to make the biggest difference in adapting to peak oil and climate change. I mean, agriculture and it represents about 30% of our emissions. And acting on those 30% is, is something that we can do a little easier at the personal level and with more immediacy. So what does that mean concretely? It means decreasing very much our meat consumption (laughs) and eating local and organic. These three go together. People are going to be more or less receptive to, to one or several of those things. Organic food has definitely gone up in people's consumption and consciousness recently. People are aware that it's good for them to eat less meat, but also good for the environment. And because of this strong uh, also gastronomic heritage, however, it, it is touchy to approach the subject of getting more of your your calories from non-meat sources Um, and I think that's where I'm that's what I'm very interested in in communicating Um, also a great uh, a great difference in in uh, in making food more sustainable is eating more food from trees Uh, because trees capture a lot more uh, CO2 than fields and you know cereal crops um, so also how do you how do you introduce more recipes and more of your more of your daily diet uh, from tree tree foods uh, be it chestnuts or fruits or uh, tree nuts um, and I think I think there's definitely a big leap and a big adaptation 
to be taken there. And it's, I think you can easily be skeptical about how that can be done in France with such a strong food heritage. Uh, but as one of my friends and permaculture teachers said, you know, 30 years ago, nobody in France ate pizza or kebabs or pasta. And today that's part of most French people's daily diets. So don't underestimate the power of uh, introducing new foods and new ways of eating, even to French people. I think there's a very compelling argument to be made there. And also like some, I think one thing that is the advantage of living in the countryside is access to even via foraging to a lot of the things that you're speaking to. I, we rented a house and had a walnut tree in our backyard and we would just have like months and months of walnuts that we would harvest, which I think are pretty expensive to buy otherwise. And I think we can leave the debate for the sustainability of cities for another time, but compared to cities, that sort of access that you have to, to cherries when it's cherry season or to, to, hazelnuts when it's the season is pretty amazing because these are really like like luxury ingredients in cities and here they fall from the trees literally um and so i think maybe that's a way also of focusing not so much on the fact that there's no meat in this dish but that it's locally sourced it's in season it's free in a lot of ways and i think that's another way maybe to sort of approach that idea of thinking about our food differently yeah no absolutely and i think i think it's as usual more interesting to focus on all the positive actions that you can have, whether that's uh, gardening, um, community gardens, planting trees together as a community that will then give fruit, as you say, for free every year with just a bit of cropping, creating the conditions for young farmers to to settle in the countryside um, for Young, younger farmers to take over the farms of uh, older farmers who are retiring. It seems like what you're describing is a lot of opportunities for people who want to take over land or become producers of food, a baker, or take over some sort of artisan métier that is that we need because a lot of, for new, like a lot of ovens are going unused or bakeries are shutting down because people go to the supermarket to buy things and also because a lot of young people aren't investing in these professions they're moving to cities and getting what i'm going to call city jobs which are more which are less i think hands-on in general they're more about making internet they're not this these kind of jobs that we're so dependent on in in small villages here um and i think people who move to the countryside sometimes are still maybe a little bit dependent on that city economy to be able to live a country life how do you think that the local economy needs to evolve to be welcoming to residents of all kinds basically how do you relocalize economy um, to small towns and villages and that's you know this the this pillar of local economy is, is, is a big one in transition towns it's obviously not something that's going to happen overnight but it is a virtuous circle and the the thinking behind that is again, How do we create more autonomy and more resilience? How can we relocalize a lot of the things that we depend on uh, export and by mean for import and by import that uh, can just be from the city, but usually it comes from a lot further away. 
Um, so let's take the example of agriculture since that's what, where we started. So yes, we obviously need more local food. Um, but if we have more local food and more small-scale small farmers, they're also going to need tools. Is there a way to relocalize tool production? Is there a way to relocalize tool repair? And then we're going to need to transport this food from, even if it's local, from the small-scale farmers to the customers. Small, small-scale commerce, like small grocery stores and and specialty stores are also going to be needed. And then, well, that's a whole lot more people settling into a region. So these people are going to need to send their children to school. So maybe we're going to have more local schools. And even up to entertainment, you know. Wouldn't it be lovely to reinvent a tradition of oral storytelling and local countryside theater? And there's, there's so many other things we can imagine, like every aspect of our lives, clothing, uh, local fiber mill productions and sewers and knitters. You know, everything could be made, made locally. And it's not just about consuming. It's about being involved in a community. That sounds like a wonderful world to live in. <laughs> it sounds even better than Berkeley. Um, well, you answered a lot of questions for me and gave me a lot to think about, and I'm sure to all of our listeners as well. I'm going to include in the show notes links to things that we've talked about. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you, Emily. Thank you so much to Ava for sharing her knowledge about the transition movement with us. Thanks also to World Radio Paris for welcoming the Perry Paysan podcast into their family. Check out their website to discover other France-focused English-language radio shows, including some of my favorites like Paris Cocktail Talk and The New Paris. Thanks, as always, to Ben Nero, who wrote and performed our theme music, and who also made sure there was a cold beer waiting for me in the fridge when I got home from work last night. Most of all, thank you for listening, and tune in next time to the Perry Paysan Podcast. Podcast.